The last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. And I can extract myself from the suffering because my attitude can trump my ego's frustration about the situation if I lock in power of my mind to choose differently. I'm going to master this thing called teaching. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price to give my service of love across this planet. And I'm not going to let any human being on the face of this planet stop me, not even myself. And genius is available in all of us in the area of our highest value when we care enough intrinsically to be inspired to go after solving those problems. It's, it's waiting for all of us to do that. We can expand our awareness, consciousness, to expand who we are as beings into this new human being that we're becoming. It's the tension and the contrast that actually helps to push us through to the next level of evolution. Our cells have consciousness and so does the bacteria. So we can also tune into our bodies and, and work with our bodies more knowing that and appreciating these billions of points of consciousness. Now when that change takes place, the momentum that's created in our life from that moment on is monumental insights, the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, the spontaneous goodness, serendipity, coincidence. Things start to work together for good because we're now in a flow of our personal mind, but we're in the flow of the mind of God. Welcome to the Whole Human Optimization Show. This podcast is entirely devoted to the exploration of physical vitality, emotional well-being, and mental fitness. The intention of each episode is to help you discover your deepest truth by ending the cycles of limitation, addiction, and self-sabotage. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and today we are going to go on a journey into the frontiers of whole human optimization. Let's go. Big city. Austin, Texas. Okay, you're good? I'm good to go. We're set. We're set. Ronnie Landis. Ronnie Landis and Josh Trent. Oh, yeah. What's the name of your podcast? It is officially the Whole Human Optimization Show. Sweet. Yeah. We're ready to drop in then, huh? Ready. Okay. Feel free in full effect. We may split this. We'll see. Yeah. All right. <sighs> hmm. Welcome to another edition of the Whole Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and I promise you, for everybody listening, this is the final time that I change the title of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later, but we are are in the Whole Human Optimization sphere, and I'm joined by one of my closest brothers, one of my colleagues in the field of holistic health, wellness, podcasting. Human Transformation, Mr. Josh Trent. So happy to be here with you, brother. Ronnie, thank you for being in my home. It's awesome. It's always great to have you, man. Mm, it's and thank, great and to thank be you here. for having me on your show. Like, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. People don't know. We used to live together. Yeah. 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 Seems like another lifetime. <laughs> it, it, well, it, <laughs> it definitely was another <laughs> lifetime. And I'm super honored I got to be on your show twice over the years. And then you've been on my show twice. So this is this is... The third time, and we've been talking about doing this. So glad we're here, and uh, we got some things to dive into. Yeah, we got yeah. some ground to cover. First of all, how are you doing? I am so full with being a dad mm. and 
being a father of my business and figuring out what Austin's all about and all the things <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like all the quadrants, man, the, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, also the financial, mm-hmm. which is something that people I think are, are understanding it's its own quadrant. It's its own piece. It's almost like instead of a quadrant, it's a, whatever you'd call a five, a five gap quadrant. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm managing all those things. And like my breath is really like the, the guiding force. If I'm not breathing, I'm not choosing mm. at all. Mm. So like to manage all those things, we must. <sighs> so that's really the anchor mm. is that. That's beautiful. That's it's so true. And that's come up for me so many times recently doing coaching calls with people. And interestingly enough, it's been men that have been reaching out to me lately for support. I was on a call with a with a guy yesterday, had a lot of stuff going on, just frenetic energy. And as he kept talking, I would keep interrupting him and say, breathe, breathe. Yeah. And just breathe just to just to get his nervous system back into check. And uh, that end of it, just that piece right there, because you that's been a dictum of yours ever since I've known you. If I can breathe, I can choose. Yeah, it's on my arm. (laughs) So here it is. I don't know. Is anybody watching right now that has tattoos? If so, what's the meaning of your tattoo? Mm. Um, Yeah, for me, I think for my whole life, I've just been dealing with a lot of anxiety and anger and sadness and grief. And my only way out of those things I thought were going to plant medicine ceremonies and going to emotional intelligence trainings. But like the deepest, most powerful thing that I learned this year was if I can breathe, I can choose to be connected to the earth. Mm -hmm. And the earth has very potent medicine, which I know we're going to jam about this vision quest. Mm -hmm. The earth has the most potent medicine that we could ever receive. But so many of us, myself included, you know, I, I, I bounced around from like doing this training or, or reading this book or learning from this master and mm-hmm. going to this ceremony. And it like didn't necessarily always serve. Well, that's, that's not true. It always served my highest good, mm-hmm. but I could have gotten here and I know now how to get there mm-hmm. where there is no there there without so much suffering. Right. And I think that's the big part of this is like we don't have to suffer so much mm-hmm. in order to grow. And I feel like we have glorified suffering in this world. Like I just interviewed Mark Devine and the episode mm-hmm. came out yesterday and he was like, you know, listen, it, the, the reality is if you're not training, you're being trained. Right. <laughs> like, wow. Let, let that land for a moment. If you're not training, you're being trained. And so I think I can have compassion for me like I can have compassion for all of us because we all are learning from whoever we think is embodying what we want to embody. Uh. And so when we see these gurus or, or people that are very like, I guess you could say interested or passionate about plant medicine or passionate about any subject, I think it's easy for us as we gain our experience in life to want to learn from these people and Mm -hmm. kind of imbue or almost mimic the learning and the lessons that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to always be that case. Like there is some deciding factor with our intuition where we combine our experience, we have an intuition and we make decisions based on what our heart and our soul mm, wants mm-hmm. rather than just mimicking what we're seeing in the environment from somebody who, quote, we want to be like. And I think, right. it's, I think we all have fallen into that trap in life. Without doubt. I mean, I've, I've, definitely, I've definitely done that. And I think there's like stages and phases, right? Like in my early years of becoming a public speaker and getting into the health world, you know, David Wolf was my, 
my primary mentor and we had a very similar thought process and I really admired the way he did presentations and his mannerisms and just the, the, the style that he had, it, it just really captivated me. So naturally I would, I would act out certain things and it wasn't that it was inauthentic. It was, it was authentic, but I, but ultimately I wasn't him. So I had to yeah. eventually as I practiced and learned about myself and did more deep, more spiritual work on myself, I was able to integrate those things in a way that didn't come off as if I was the next David Wolf, which mm-hmm. I actually heard a lot of people come to me and say that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's flattering, but I'm actually Ronnie Landis. Yeah. I don't want to be somebody's sidekick or a copy of someone else. Yeah. I can only be the best second of somebody else <laughs> and then and the, so it's like it's like part of it is is the journey like we're learning from people but then at some point we have to it's really about being embodied as we are and that that's a that's a discovery process yeah yeah for me it's been like a discovery of learning that every single master or every single leader that i ever thought had all of their shit together or uh-huh. was somebody that i put on a pedestal some of my biggest moments have been seeing people that I've chose to put on a pedestal completely be human mm. and completely be fallible. Mm-hmm. And really, like my shatter happened uh, recently this year with, with a medical doctor that I had on the show. Mm. I'm not going to name the name because I'm not trying to stir up bullshit, but I put this person on a pedestal. And it happened about three times since the whole COVID pandemic where I would put people in this category where I was like, they can't do any wrong. I totally trust them. I see their highest good. And um, I got to see behind the scenes mm. of how people really are like on camera or on podcast versus off. And I realized that I came to this foundational understanding and that is everyone is doing the best they can. No one deserves to ever be put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I choose to put someone else on a pedestal, I actually disempower myself. Mm-hmm. And that's been like the number one light here. It, even in Austin, I came mm-hmm. from Encinitas like you did. And, and here in Austin, I see a lot of people making the mistake of putting others on pedestals because they might have millions of followers on social media or they might be like this great TEDx speaker or whatever the case. We're all human. When the cameras turn off, when the lights turn off, the only truth is the one that we feel when our head's on the pillow. Like that, that's all we, we have. Yeah. And so we're all human, man. And I think that, that what even led me to the vision quest was just really trying to white knuckle my healing. Mm-hmm. You know, like Trevor Hall has this song, like you can't rush your healing. Right. And I think a lot of times in my life, I have tried to rush my healing mm-hmm. because I see the potential of what's possible. And I'm like, oh, well, there's all this potential possible for who I could be and, and my highest self. Meanwhile, the whole purpose of life is for me to actually burn off the karmic, mm-hmm. the past life and the current life mm-hmm. layers of the lower self or as Dr. Vernon Wolf calls the holodynes. Uh-huh. So like, you know, the, we all bypass. It's not to shame me. It's not to shame anyone else. But um, there is some power in doing the work to have peace, because when you have peace from that place, the power can be trusted. Mm. Any anyone can mm. kind of like fake it till they make it and quote be powerful. But in order to actually embody power, it has to come from peace. And 100%. so that's the journey that I'm on. I think that's the journey that all of us are on, whether we're conscious or unconscious of it. Mm. That's brilliantly said. What just came up for me, and it's somewhat not related, but in a way, it really is. Um, 
and this has been a theme for me. I told you that I've I just recently made a made my my commitment to walking the path with God in my personal relationship with God. And what that included, what that includes is going through a celibacy process. Mm. And what just came up for whatever reason, I think it's part, it's around that thing you said about being trusted and being responsible with the gift. And there's a lot of gifts that my heart desires and has desired. One of them is to be my full self and all the things that come along with it, the success, the partnership, yada, yada. And it really dawned on me that I had been in relationships, I had been, I had had the wrong priority. The priority was on a person, you know, supporting this person, being there for them, being there for the relationship. And I realized my priority actually needed to be with God. And everything is a, is a, is a, a pillar of that, is a support of that. And, um, and so I wasn't able to handle the responsibility for whatever reason. I wasn't able to be the man that I knew that I really was and could be, but it was, there was just like whatever little addiction things, whatever things there that weren't being worked out because my priority was put in the wrong place. Um, so I found that I just find that, you know, for whatever it's worth, interesting relating to the piece you just said about, we, we need to be trustworthy in order to not only receive but to sustain the the gifts do you remember we were talking a while back about michael beckwith and the scroll yeah (laughs) so for for people that don't know like michael beckwith's story was like part of his spiritual evolution is he was shown a scroll yeah and it was so surreal because i remember we were talking about it and he was like well of course i know it's true i saw it in the scroll and 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 in the scroll was what I i forget what it was maybe you can talk to this but on the scroll was written something Mm -hmm. like it was it was teachings that he was receiving Mm -hmm. what what was on the scroll it was it was an interview i did with him and uh if i remember correctly like he was having a conversation with a guy he hadn't been a speaker yet right like yeah and the guy came to him and is like hey i I want you to be a speaker and um and he's like Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I saw it on the scroll. Like, so he had a vision the night before of this scroll that basically laid out what he would be doing. And then the guy's like, what? And he's like, oh, oh, never mind, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think about that. We're all getting these little messages. Mm -hmm. I just interviewed Gay Hendricks, and and he says that sometimes the universe will, it'll tickle you with a feather. But then if you're not listening, sometimes the universe will come in and it'll crush you with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's happened. That cycle has happened multiple times. So I think the only way that we can become sensitive to the feather that the universe is trying to show us, mm. and it doesn't matter if you believe in a, a Christian-style God or, or a Buddha-style mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. or Eastern or West, it doesn't really matter because I believe we're all honoring the same energy Yes. in the zero-point field, no thing and anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes we become desensitized in this world. It's almost like if you like, like a samurai sword, you're a martial mm-hmm. artist. So if, if you try to cut with a sword that's dull, it's actually more dangerous than a sharp sword. Mm-hmm. So the only way we can sharpen our sword here in this world is to take care of our physical being yeah. and to connect with God and to meditate. And we all know this. We, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we can intellectualize that. Oh yeah, I know I should be meditating. I know I should be talking with God. I know I should be eating whole foods. I know I should be doing cold therapy and hot therapy. I know I should be moving, but are we doing it? Right. And for whatever reason that comes up 
in the psyche or the intellectualized mind that says, I sh- oh, I, I want to do the thing that I know I promised myself, but my mind has created three reasons why I can't fulfill that promise mm-hmm. to myself. And I think that's what blunts our sword of intuition. That's what really like blunts our, our connection to the sensitivity we were born with. Mm. So the only way we're going to become sensitive to the world and sensitive to these little messages, right? Like flow state, what should we be doing with our lives? Mm. What's your purpose? Who should I talk to today? What should I do today? Mm. These are all like subtle energies that we can only sense if, if our intuition is sharpened. Right. And, and again, what blunts our intuition is all of these stories that the fucking mind creates are, that are quote reasons mm-hmm. why we can't do the things or be the things that we promised ourselves. And that's my journey right now. You mm-hmm. know, like the whole purpose of going to the vision quest was uh, to sensitize myself again, to, to resensitize mm-hmm. because we're all desensitized. All yes. of us do. Yeah. And that's the nature of addiction, right? Like the whole, the whole thing is, I mean, from the neurobiological perspective, you're blunting out the dopamine receptors and now you need more of the thing to stimulate more of the chemistry in order to get the same or even lesser result than you had before because the, the systems become desensitized and then it just creates that, that vicious cycle. Um, and that's what we're dealing with in our world. And I really, so I love, I love you bringing that in and let's, let's dive into that vision quest you did. That was one of the main reasons I wanted to jump onto this interview with yeah. you. Cause I know, I know you were preparing for it and I know coming out of it, you had a life changing experience. The vision quest is, I think the most, let's just start with what it is. The vision quest is a 10 day experience. You go out deep into nature And the first three to four days are really like an emotional inventory. So you're taking stock of like, all right. And this is with skilled facilitators. It's a guy named um, Tim Kokorin. He runs PurposeMountain.com. There was also another Mark, uh, another guide, Mark Tolofsen, and two other co-guides, Alia and Hayden. I I think their business is called Seeds. And so anyways, we went out there and it was a group of us. I think it was seven of us, seven or nine of us. And the whole three or four days, you're actually going through somewhat of an ego preparation or an ego stripping process. Mm-hmm. So I'll speak to both like spiritual people and, and logical people. What it is, is we are all operating, myself, all of us, we're all operating from this place where our intellectual mind has, quote, figured out what we need to do. Mm. And in the process of our intellectual mind figuring out what we need to do, we lose the wisdom of the heart. We lose the signal of the heart. We lose our connection to God, our connection to spirit. And so I had been really blunted by that through a lot of things that had happened for me in my life and preparation for my son coming to the world and moving out to Austin. Like anytime you shake a tree, some of the fruit is going to fall and it's the fruit that's not serving anyways. So I went out there because my tree had been shooken pretty hard and it was an introduction from a friend here, Aubrey Marcus, who loves Tim's work and I think he's in his fellowship and and he's a really really solid human so when Aubrey introduced me I listened because I've never really gotten any introductions from him at all for anything Mm. and so I went out to Sandpoint Idaho which is this beautiful majestic uh it's almost like Bob Ross, you know, and Bob Ross would create paintings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of what Sandpoint, Idaho is. Wow. And so I went out there and I really set the clear intention of, God, allow me to let go of anything at all mm. that is blocking me mm. from 
loving my son and myself and my woman and my family fully. And please release any kind of projections that I would ever put onto him so that he can have his own life. Mm. That, that was basically the whole mission of me going out there was to do really an emotional inventory and like a, and like a clean out, a spiritual clean out of my soul, my heart, and my also my physical body. The vision quest is three to four days of emotional inventory and, and ego shedding. And then you're also fasting in nature. So it's it's a hundred plus hours of fasting in nature, just with water, nothing else. <laughs> and then when you're done with that, you integrate, you process, mm. you start to screw in the lessons that you mm. learned from doing a hundred hours in nature with just water. And I'm talking like, they, it, it was even more intense. There's many levels of vision questing, but the traditional Native American vision quest is actually much more intense than mm-hmm. what I went through. Mm-hmm. I went through a modified vision quest, which is 100 hours fasted, no knife, no tent, just a tarp in case it rains, wow. a sleeping pad, four gallons of water, and a sleeping bag. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing to protect yourself if an animal came after you. Uh, no food, so you really have to be with whatever's coming up through the body at that point. I mean, super, super intense on every level. They put you through some kind of screening process for that? Well, they, he has every single person that goes on the quest, he has a, a call, like an intake okay. call with them yeah. to make sure they're psychologically stable. Mm-hmm. Also, it's really important to go do a vision quest that you had at least some kind of a preliminary practice, like maybe a Vipassana yeah. or loving kindness meditation or float tanks. Or maybe some, you know, ceremonies with psychedelics. But mm-hmm. I would I would be really cautious to just say if someone's never done any kind of stillness practice mm-hmm. for them to go run to a vision quest, yeah. good luck. Mm. Like you're that's gonna be a lot of suffering. I would not recommend and You're by that. yourself. You're by yourself. And so when I got out to Sandpoint, it's this beautiful area and um we met with Tim and we had those three to four days. I think it was I think it was four days of of ego stripping and prep. You actually go out with the group and you self-select your site. So the whole process of being in nature and like how we started this podcast, resensitizing, Mm. resensitizing our nervous system and that intuition that we all have. um, You start to sharpen yourself when you're out in the forest with no food and just water and fasting on a fucking supernatural level. Mm. (laughs) That's the only way I could describe it. I mean, your hearing is bionic. Your senses on your hands and feet are amplified. Mm. Your breath is felt deeper. Your awareness of what's going on, like Mark Divine calls it the Uda loop, the loop of awareness. Mm. Your loop of awareness in the forest is so powerful and so strong that you can hear things and you can sense things almost before they happen. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest <clears throat> the biggest gift that I got out there was actually the first night. You have the most insane dreams in the forest when you're fasting because you've already done a purification process emotionally. You've already titrated down your food to the point where you're fasting. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this. The very first night when I got out there, I was already so exhausted from like the work that we had done, the ego stripping. We also did a, um, uh, a sweat lodge, which Mm -hmm. was very intense, Mm -hmm. like singing and crying and purging for people that don't know a sweat lodge is where, um, you have this dome shape and there's blankets covering it. And then there's insanely hot glowing red lava rocks that the guide pours the water on and it heats the entire air with Mm -hmm. hot steam. Mm -hmm. 
It's super intense. I think you've done that before, right? I've done right? many of those, yeah. So for people that don't know, just that alone, the ego stripping process, getting down to what's real and clearing your cells out with that, um, with the sweat in the lodge, just that alone is intense. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I got to my site and I set up my little tarp and I put down my pad, all I did was just sleep. We left it. At, at dawn basically and as we were walking up to the hill there was these coyotes mm. and these wolves like screaming it was it was very surreal it was almost like a scene from a movie uh -huh. and i just slept so i i, I just slept and slept and slept because i needed rest i just needed calm rest and the dream that came up for me was so intense um the dream that came up for me was uh a learning lesson that i had learned in thailand and it was with a prostitute and it was the first time in my life that I had ever even engaged in that type of behavior. Um, 25 years of my life, I, I had struggled with like pornography addiction and, and just really like wanting to fill a hole inside of myself that had no bottom. Mm -hmm. Because the only way that there is a bottom of the hole is if I'm listening to the wisdom of my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wasn't listening to. And so when I was out there, I got this incredibly strong visceral memory of a lesson I had learned many years before. And it was so surreal that I woke up, you're between worlds out there in, in the forest. Yes. And when you're between worlds, certain messages come through that could never come through here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you're just not, it's not capable yeah. to come you're in. You're not in a Wi-Fi field. You're not in a Wi-Fi field. There's no 5G. There's also no... Um, redox energy from other people mm -hmm. that are affecting you. Mm -hmm. Like we're here in a neighborhood or wherever we are in life and, and people's energy fields and just society in general, it is on a very subtle level affecting you at all times. Yep. And so when you're out there and you're between worlds, dreams and messages and visions and signs and symbols come through so profound that you cannot ignore them. Mm -hmm. And this is the coolest thing. No drugs necessary. Yep. No psychedelics necessary. Yep. No chemicals necessary it is just pure earth medicine at its most potent form most raw form most raw form mm. and so i cried because when i woke up i was like thank you god like oh my god <sighs> like thank you god for my life thank you that that's not real for me mm. thank you for showing me who i was with the level of consciousness that i had and thank you for allowing me to see how much gratitude i actually have for what i have now and so that's the biggest reminder that nature and the earth without the presence of society can remind us is, hey, the mistakes that you've made, they weren't actually mistakes. Mm. They were just you trying to find peace. Mm. They were just you trying to find some semblance of love, what love really is. And we all chase this like hollow form of love in life where we think it's love, but it's not really love. It's just us satisfying our kind of primal nervous system yep. needs. Mm -hmm. It's not really love though. True love doesn't want anything back. It doesn't keep score. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do things to you only because it'll get something in return. And so that was the first night. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first night is like all these wow. like waterfall of revelations. And, and just when I woke up, I cried so hard because I was like, man, I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to have a son. I'm so mm. grateful that I have someone in my life who's doing the work with me. Like I had prayed for it for so long. And so that first night was really just about like, like a sword piercing my stomach and me having 
the realization that, oh, there's like an ocean of gratitude that I haven't been swimming in. Uh, I just, I just have chosen to not swim into it because I allowed myself at certain times to what I call indulge in the monkey mind where it's like, (laughs) I need to make more money. I need to make more connections. Mm. I need to do more and more and more and more and more. Mm. But that just goes back to the empty hole with no bottom. So that was, that was night one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's quite, quite incredible. And I can definitely relate. I haven't done that type of vision quest, but that had inspired. And we've had this conversation. I connected with Tim and, um, in in the right timing when that that like clear knowing comes through i will definitely i mean it's it kind of feels like one of those things where as a man like like an actual like a primal man like i'm definitely in my primal masculine template and i feel that it would be it'd be kind of inappropriate not to have that experience that's kind of what comes i don't know inappropriate or whatever but like it's kind of like the way that i experience going through my ayahuasca ceremonies, like how incredibly profound they've been for me and how they've helped to strip my ego and help me come to terms with so many things within myself. Um, it's like imagining going through this life without that. It's like, wow, that, that would not work. And that yeah. experience seems so, and that for me, that what comes up for me Hearing that is this thing that I've been really feeling into lately is confronting death. This came up in a conversation with Coop Blackson the other day, and we really dove into it. And I was like, you know, I've had multiple life or death situations, like split second situations, but I've never actually confronted my own death. Hmm. And I feel like that's really coming up a lot right now. Yeah. Well, you do die when you do any kind of ceremony. Yeah. But the degree of your death is only dependent on how much you're willing to open up to it. Yeah. So there's no way you can really die unless you allow yourself to die. The stage is set and I can speak from my own experience. Like I do think that ayahuasca and all these different entheogens are super powerful and they're needed. They're really needed a lot of times for a lot of people. But the dose and the setting is so important. If you, if you go outside of proper dose and setting, you can actually fracture the psyche. You can go through more pain and more suffering and leave the psychedelic experience with more load than you actually were trying to give. Yeah. You, you have to, it's like, it has to be, and it's different for different people. Like yeah. I'm different. Like me and the medicine work a particular way. It's like, we, we've been doing this for a long time, but like the, the, the shaman, the team, the Icaros, the setting, like the, the, the retreat style, the, 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 the integration work, the, the, ch- the inner child work, all of that actually makes the whole thing work. Mm-hmm. And without it, to your point, like it's kind of rolling the dice. Well, the, 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 one of the biggest gifts besides that day one and really just the, the stripping down of everything that doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. One of the other biggest gifts I got was, oh, I actually have been really petulant about death. Mm. I've been really like resentful and angry that we die. Uh-huh. And what I got to let go of out there with a lot of tears was, it's actually not the fact that I'm angry that we die anymore. I'm not angry that we die anymore. I'm not resentful that we die anymore. I'm really just sad that we die. Mm. And that Mm. sadness Mm. that we die means that you and I don't get to do this anymore. I don't get to see my son. I don't get to taste an orange at the park. You know, whatever. Like, I won't get to do all of these things. And that's why 
death is sad. Mm. So it's really the honoring of that sadness. And this is what I talked about with, with Tim, who it's funny, he sat right in that chair, right where you are. And I was like, we have to honor the sadness. Yeah. We have to honor the sadness of death because on the other side of honoring the sadness of death is the gratitude that we're even here. It's the, it's the gratitude right. that we're even here and we even get to one in four trillion or whatever the, you know, my sperm was strong enough to pierce the egg. Like there's some pretty severe odds yeah. that we won't be here. So we're so incredibly fortunate. If you look at the size of the universe, mm. if you look at the space of the universe, if you look at what the universe is with all its mystery and all its questions, mm-hmm. the fact that we're even here and we get to have a conversation and, and I get to be in this body, like it's so refreshing. And this is why in, in the wellness first community and in every conversation I have, I'm like, can we gather the evidence? Can we just gather the evidence that you're on the right path, mm-hmm. you're loved and you're supported mm-hmm. and conversations do this for us and, mm-hmm. and ceremonies of, of ayahuasca or psilocybin do this for us. And so that was what came out there. I was laying on my back and it was day number two. And I had been really struggling because, um, as you know, man, like growing a business is not easy. And I had like been feeling the weight of it. And, and I still am in the process of feeling the weight on my body mm-hmm. because my body is my subconscious mind. So mm-hmm. whatever's showing up in my body is actually in my subconscious mind. So if my body is carrying extra weight, then that means my subconscious mind is screaming at me mm-hmm. to let go of some kind of emotional mm-hmm. weight mm-hmm. because physical and emotional are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so out there, I was on my back and I was just crying and I was looking up and there was this sun pouring through the trees. It was the most beautiful morning. And uh, I was just so sad. And I just kept asking God, I was like, God, what do you want me to do with wellness force? Mm. Like, why is it so hard? What, what is going on here? Like, what would you have me do? And I just like heard this little voice, this little feather come through. And the voice said, just keep going. <laughs> just just keep going like one time and I was like okay you know okay I'll just keep going I don't exactly know what that means but coming back home and even now it's been three months since the experience I'm like oh I know I know what God was saying now mm. just keep going means just keep trusting yeah well because I trust that we all will die I trust that we're here for the right reasons <sighs> I trust that everything I'm learning is always for my highest good without being some esoteric spiritual babbling dude. I really believe that. Like I believe that everything is happening for me. Mm. And sometimes the stuff that happens is really hard. And, you know, I've never lost someone close. My grandpa, I lost him in 2002, but we all go through loss in life, Mm -hmm. whether it's loss of a dream or loss of a loved one or loss of health, whatever it is. And I think it's the degree of how I bounce back, you know, and go back to that reminder of, okay, we're all going to die. I'm actually really still grateful for being here. I know that death is, is unavoidable. And in a way, man, death becomes the most powerful fucking teacher. Totally. (laughs) Death is such a powerful teacher because it allows us to be pierced by adversity and bleed out gratitude. And then I can be grateful. I can have the rest of my time on earth and go, wow, I, I at least... I'm still here and I get to experience it because in the great beyond, I'll never remember what this is. I'll never have any sense memory of what this is ever. Yeah. That's the piece too, that you brought up. It's the same feeling I have around 
you know, it's not so much death that I am concerned with. It's more so like, I actually really like this character that I am. And I, and I really, <laughs> I really appreciate this character of Ronnie. Yeah. And I really love and, and cherish the other characters in my life. And so to consider that, yes, I do believe that we are in immortal, we are immortal souls and the, and the, the game keeps on going, but there's this feeling of like, man, okay, I'm going to have to start over again. I'm going to, it's going to be like amnesia. And then maybe we all do come back around, but it's, it's just like, oh, but I really, this game that I'm in right now, this thing I'm in right now, like it's definitely feels like it's worth hanging on to. And I'm not ready to go. That was a big thing I came to. I was like, I'm like, it's not that I'm afraid of death. It's just, I'm not ready to go. Mm. Like, I'm just not ready to go right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, through IO ceremonies or just through my own meditation, just feeling into this whole conversation around death, I, it, it became the greatest filter for people that I needed to let go of and people that I needed to hold on to. And it was just like that, just like that binary, like yes or no. Like there's people that, that need to be let go of. And there's people that I need to hold on to and just, just, you know, that, that just cherishing this miracle called life in our relationships. I think tactically, what people must understand is that every single day when I'm waking up, it's a choice for me to live from my awareness and my lessons and the ways that I've been humbled, or it's my choice to be in my ego and not be in my heart and fight against the lessons I've already learned not being true. So I I wake up, like today's a good example. Um, last night I really needed some deep sleep. So I had two full droppers of the CBD and I slept until 10 AM today, which is like, Whoa, (laughs) (laughs) I slept in, but I needed it. And I missed some appointments and I started my day like without my cold and without my hot in the garage, without my movement, without my breath, without my stillness. And I notice it. I really notice it. And I think if we can all have that kind of barometer, where going back to how we started this show, like, can I sharpen, can I resharpen my intuition and can I resensitize my intuition mm. when I'm not doing the things that make me feel the most connected to God, the most connected to myself? Can I be so resensitized mm-hmm. in this current world that I really notice it when I'm not doing the things I promised myself? Yeah. That's a big one. And I think a, a tool like going to a quest and, and going to a ceremony that you've done it's very similar yet very different. Yeah. And I'll and I'll share a little bit about the difference. Mm-hmm. When when people choose to go through any kind of a ceremonial process, yeah. really what they're searching for is peace. Right. They're searching right. for peace of some kind, whether it's peace about the fact that we die, peace about the fact that you're in this body and there's certain ailments or certain unwellness or certain illness that you're dealing with, peace about a relationship, mm-hmm. should I be with this person, should I not? Peace about purpose. Mhm. Am I on life? Am I on track with my purpose? Am I doing what I'm here on the on earth designed to do? And then peace about spirituality. Like how do I want to be connected to God while I'm here? All of these facets are something that can be quite challenging for us to have peace about if we're constantly stuck in the ancient fucking brain. Yes. <laughs> if we're constantly in survival, if we don't know where the money's coming from, if we're literally not breathing, mm-hmm. and I mean like actually not breathing, if we're holding our breath. These are all the tools of awareness that we get to cultivate every single day Mm -hmm. so that we can actually show up and 
and be able to have the capacity to balance all of these categories, mm-hmm. to balance the, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. Because if we're not doing our work to resensitize, then life is going to eat us apart, dude. Yeah. Like locusts yep. in Africa. Yep. So I think the take home of what I was sharing is like if, if we're all even having the conversation about resensitizing, you know, and you mentioned the dopamine receptors and in, in, in your book, I'm sure you talk in depth about this. Mm-hmm. That is why people go to a vision quest yes. because the vision quest resensitizes you. So that you then have the the more chi, the more energy, and the capacity to balance all of these areas that are so mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, Ronnie, this is what I believe, dude. When that happens, and when we're at that place, we can have more gratitude. Yeah. I don't think gratitude and love is a fucking light switch that you yeah, flip. Totally. Because you read it in a book or you heard it on social media. Mm-mm. Gratitude and spaciousness and, and awareness are things that really... You and I are so fortunate. These are luxurious thoughts. These are lux- <laughs> these yeah, are luxury. Yeah. I think I think totally. Osho says said something like this. Like people that are, and I'm not a huge fan of Osho, but he has some good messages. Sometimes mm-hmm. he was like, you know, the the whole spirituality quest and the quest for spirituality and the quest for understanding and enlightenment. These are luxurious paths yeah. because for the for most millennia, people have been like concerned about, well, how am I going to eat tonight? Yeah. There was a lower category that Maslow talks about where it's like safety and security, shelter, procreation, then service, then enlightenment. Mm. And you and I are sitting here having a conversation about like, well, how do we be grateful for this world? So, so we have to be able to go and be resensitized in order to see the truth of what is that we're so fucking fortunate. We're so fortunate to be here. Mm. So fortunate. Mm. And we forget we really forget. Mm-hmm. And so we have to fortify that remembrance of, of really the truth of what is mm. Mm. beautifully said what um, you mentioned the distinction between the ceremony and the vision quest. Yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> uh-huh. So in ayahuasca ceremony or in a mushroom ceremony, let's say, let's just say in, in a plant ceremony, Yeah. in a plant ceremony, what happens is you are opened up to three and four and five D consciousness. You're opened up to all the different layers of what's happening in the etheric field in the universe. So essentially you get blasted up into the sky, right? Or out there. What I feel about the vision quest is it grounds you into here. Yeah. So it's a way, it's a different direction, but the medicine is just as potent. Yeah. Yeah. So with plant medicine, you get blasted from the earth into the etheric and into the field, the astral, and with vision questing, because you're not eating, your system is open and clear. You're hyper, hyper sensitized mm. to your environment. Mm. You get grounded into the earth. Yeah, yeah. And so the big mm-hmm. distinction with vision questing and plant medicine ceremony, one takes you up, one takes you down. Mm. And I know that's reductionized. Uh, I've definitely been taken down. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Deep down. That's why I was saying it. It's, but, I, it's, but I know the distinction you're making. Yes, it's kind of a reductionized way of describing it. But I will say that that when I'm when I'm in a ceremony of of plant medicine, it is a fundamentally different experience for sure because it is opening you up to a completely different physiological container, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a completely different etheric container. 
because the substance that you're ingesting is guiding the way for you. Right, right, so you're, right. You're, you're in communion, you're in harmony with an entheogen, and, and that entheogen is guiding you. Yeah. When you're in vision quest, there is no entheogen. So only you are guiding mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm, so it's a different type of medicine. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying one takes you up, one takes you down. I know they probably both take you up and down. It's just a simple way for yeah, us but to that's understand a brilliant, it. That's a brilliant way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the core difference. And I will say that because of my experience where two years ago, two and a half years ago, I did get shattered yeah. in an ayahuasca ceremony. And it shattered me so deeply that I had to go to Paul Check, and he had to heal me. He had to take me through a ceremony and remove an entity from me. And it's not just me. There's a lot of people that are getting entities attached to them in ceremonies because as ceremonies grow, unfortunately, um, the hygiene of how the ceremonies run is not always clean. Yeah. So, so I, 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 the reason I needed that and the reason my soul was calling me to the vision quest is because it was the first time I'd ever done any kind of ceremony in my life where my little boy actually felt safe. The young man inside of me that was like screaming for attention, which is essentially, I think, the connection to our higher self. Mm. Because if I'm listening to my young man inside, well, then I'm connected to my higher self. They're they're exactly the same. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that was what I needed. And I remember when I came down at the end of the quest and I crossed the threshold, I was the first one down the mountain. <laughs> it was like five in the morning. The sun was barely coming up. And I, in the darkness, was like coming down the hillside and I got to the threshold. And when I got to the threshold, I just burst into tears and I was laughing. I was laughing. I was crying. I really felt like myself, like unadulterated, connected to my young man, in my genius, like just loving life. Mm. And that peace that I felt was because when I crossed that threshold, I realized that I had gone through something that had forever changed me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I never had it when none of us ever have it. And by it, I mean, as men, we all need some type of a rite of passage. Yep. yep. If we don't have a rite of passage, then we, no matter how much we age, we never actually burst into being a man and to mm-hmm. burst into being an adult. Mm-hmm. And so when I crossed that threshold at 41 years old, it was really about honoring the past, honoring the sadness, honoring the young man inside of me, but stepping up to the plate to be a real embodied man, mm. to be able to hold my family, my business, and hold everything that I'm doing. So there was a lot of symbology as I crossed that threshold and I started crying and laughing because I realized, oh my God, like I had been running to ceremonies because I thought the plants were calling me, mm. but it was really just my ego wanting to use the plants not really like 100% respecting the plants. Mm-hmm. It was really like, and I, and I respected them as much as I could. And I think it's not about shaming me. I think I did no, the no, best no. that I yeah, could. No. But, but this ceremony, this vision quest was the first time in any ceremony mm-hmm. that I have ever felt truly safe and, and really grounded to earth. Uh-huh. And that's what I needed. Uh-huh. I just, and I didn't yeah. know that. It was like under my nose at all times. And a lot of things in life are like that. Something's right there for us. It's like uh, Napoleon Hill has that book, Three Feet from Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many things, Ronnie, are like we're we're literally three feet from whatever it is that is trying to bring us peace. Mm. Because that's what this whole conversation is. It's it's, we're all just trying to find peace. Mm -hmm. And from that peace, we can have power. We can express. We can do things. 
But we all know, like, when you've been around people that they're not that peaceful, but yep. they have a massive audience or they yep. have a massive something, massive amounts of money. But we all have that intuitive faculty where we're like, yeah, that, that person's great and all, but they don't seem that peaceful. They don't, mm. they don't really seem like they've embodied peace. And, and that was the biggest gift from the quest, man. There's many, many more layers in there. But I think for anyone that is called to a visceral, powerful experience that grounds them into the earth yep. in a way that plant medicine could never do, honoring them both, mm-hmm. that's the it's call. It's a different process. That's the call. To, yeah, no, yeah. That, that, that makes total sense. And it's you with you. And so you have to you have to discover your own self-reliance. That's the piece that I see right there is like you you become self-reliant out of necessity because you have to be, you know, Um, and that initiation, the initiatory process is so important. That's such a such a calling right now for so many of us. Yeah, we're literally being called into any kind of initiatory process that makes sense to us that's accessible it's available whether that's that and i think that's the whole draw or uh, draw towards plant medicine ceremonies it's it's there that's at least for me for sure like yeah. when i go into it i am very clear that i am i'm literally being called i know i i respond to a call like the last time i went i literally was in the gym working out minding my own business and then a friend of mine hits me up and says, hey, I'm going to actually go to this thing. Can you pick me up and take me to the airport? So I, I go do it. And all of a sudden, within a two-hour a two hour, um, uh, window before the flight leaves, I find myself booking a ticket going out to Mexico that night. But that was that was a call like spirit called me. And now I won't go into the story, but like going through <laughs> the whole experience, it like I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, I can I can see that. So, so like, it's like responding to the call. And I think that's just so important, no matter what the, the, the thing is, because all of us come in here with a unique template of our soul and the unique proclivities in different stages and phases. And for me in this stage, um, ayahuasca in particular has been the most profound teacher for me. Yeah. And there's many teachers along the way. Yeah. And I think it's important that we don't get stuck on one one teacher, one guide, one 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 idea, one concept, one paradigm. We're going through the most intense paradigmatic shift that's ever occurred in history. And everything is literally available to us at our fingertips. This is so juicy. Yeah. You know what I was feeling when you're talking? Intelligence. Yes. Intelligence is different than being smart. Oh, man. And the whole ethos of me and Wellness Force and my own life since we started in 2015, 2015, bro, that was a long time ago, was (laughs) how do I discover my own physical and emotional intelligence so I can live my life well? Mm. And of course, God is going to bring me unique lessons so I can be splayed and and (laughs) sprawled out on the altar of teaching because I have to go through those experiential learnings myself. Like I'm the only one that can take me through an experience and then have the wisdom to share what's real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what happens to to so many of us, and, and the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yep. What happens to so many of us is our wisdom gets clouded by our wounding. Yes. Wow. Our wisdom gets clouded by our wounding because 
we have good intentions of sharing our wisdom, but our wisdom is kind of flavored yep. and, and, and stunted mm. by the wounding we haven't yet processed. Mm-hmm. And so I just had a conversation with a buddy last night and, and, you know, I was thinking about and feeling into like forming another men's group here in Austin and doing something here in Austin. And I had the awareness, this is like true wisdom. It's not to toot my own horn, but beep fucking beep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am aware right now that I'm still working on my physical conduit mm-hmm. and I, and I'm still working on a few things inside of my soul that have come up and bubbled up lately. And so I'm going to wait until I trust that my wisdom that I'd share in a men's group mm-hmm. would not be clouded by my wounding. Right. And so that's the kind of awareness that we all need right now. But we have so many people, Ronnie, with good intentions, like a 23 year old life coach uh-huh. that's going to charge you 10 K a month and change your life and upgrade your spiritual flow, whatever. <laughs> like we just have to be, we have to be mindful. We have to be discerning. Yeah. And so intelligence to go back to what you were saying intelligence is not how smart you are. Intelligence is how much you have embodied wisdom so that it is not clouded by your wounding. Mm -hmm. And that's where these ceremonies, vision quest, ayahuasca, breath work, float tanks, all these things that quote, we know we should be doing, but are we actually doing them? And this is the coolest part. And then I'll shut up. (laughs) That's brilliant. This is the coolest part. When, when the things come up like all the tools, right? Mm -hmm. The breathing, the meditation, the cold, the hot, the ceremonies, fill in the blank, y'all. Like whatever tools that you're, that you're interested in, you know that you can only get the wisdom from those tools if you practice them on the daily. And so whatever comes up, this is the most important thing. Whatever comes up in my psyche in a moment where I'm not fulfilling on my promise to use the tool that my heart knows is what's good for me. Mm-hmm. That's actually the biggest point of growth mm-hmm. because it's the choice point. Yeah. It's the choice point of... Am I going to fulfill and follow through on the promise I made to myself to use the tool that's in my highest good to do the things that are most loving for me? And if not, can I just be curious about why I'm choosing not to do that? Yeah. Can I be super curious in that moment and go, huh, I know I made myself the promise to get up today, do my breath work, meditate, sit in the cold tank, and then reflect on why life is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then... If it doesn't happen, can I choose to be curious about why it didn't happen Mm. without some bullshit story Mm -hmm. or shame spiral that actually perpetuates me not keeping my promises in the future? I call it the cycle of recommitment. So how can I shorten the cycle, the space of time between me recommitting right back to my practice? Because the shorter my cycle of recommitment is, the more healthy I am, the more vibrant I am, the more grateful I am. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's at the core of everything we're discussing, man. Mm-hmm. Why would we even do the tools? Why would we go to the ceremonies? Why would we even do the things if we weren't curious about keeping accountable mm-hmm. to living those lessons mm-hmm. out? That's really at the crux of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. And... It really, at this point, it really has to be about embodiment. It, it really is all about embodiment. It's who you're being that determines the quality of what you're doing. And also, the same, same what, what you do determines who you're being while you're doing it and after, right? So it's this mm. interesting, a lot of people in the spiritual community like to like, hey, there's just all these little sayings that sound like they make sense and, and all this stuff out there of yeah. like, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And it's like, oh, okay, but... 
I, I'm, I, there's things to do. There's things I do. There's things I want to do. There's things I need to do. Like I'm yeah. constantly doing something, even if I'm not doing anything, I'm being, it's an active thing. So it's like those two things together and you're who, so in other words, what are you embodying? Who are you embodying? What energy are you embodying? Mm. And to your point, it's not about perfection. It's not about, oh, I, I should be some someone else. It's that I'm curious. Okay, there's a kink in my, my system. I'm not feeling so good. Let me get curious about that so I can learn about it. And then I can upgrade it versus, I like this term, shame spiral. Yeah, I know I've been there. And I see so many people and clients just just going, just like it's almost like I have to like stop, like stop talking, because you're actually only digging yourself further and further by by trying to tell me a story that's not even real. So let's just take a breath. Tell me how you feel in your body. Let's just get how does your body feel, and then let's reset and start over. I did a show with Mark Groves, and he quoted Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins says, I don't negotiate with my fears that aren't real. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah. another, this is why I love podcasting. Yeah. Boom. Just yeah. like we, we hear these truths and they stick to our heart because they're so undeniably truth. Yeah. They're so undeniably real and they're yeah, so yeah, undeniably yeah. truth. And there's, of course, for people like, okay, I'm speaking to you right now. Have you ever felt that something was so true and then you found out a month later it wasn't? <laughs> That's the difference between subjective truth and objective truth. Subjective truth is like, I really love Ronnie's shirt and I love Ronnie's energy and I love Ronnie's um, jewel that he's wearing around his neck right now. That's all subjective because next week I might be like, I hate your jewel. It's all subjective. (laughs) But the objective truth is like, it's such a paradox because the objective truth is that love is all there is. True. And that is so hard for our psyche to understand well, if love is all there is and God is love, then all is God. And if all is God, then all is okay. Yeah. Like all is okay. And everything that doesn't feel okay is a figment of my unprocessed mm-hmm. wounding mm-hmm. projected through a prism of my ego that is somehow meant on you or an external thing changing so that I can feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like the ticket to insanity that we've all bought a fucking free pass for. <laughs> And and we keep going on the same train in the same loop over and over and over again because that's what we were taught to do. And that's what the phone and the computer and social media, like we get trained. And this is fresh in my mind because of that interview with Mark Devine. We get trained when we're not training. Yes. We get trained when we're not training. So actually training is our connection to God. You've just recently recommitted to God. Yep. So the only way we can truly train ourselves is to honor God and to honor ourselves. And and you know that I don't think God's a, a dude in the sky with yeah, like yeah. a shinobi beard. Yeah, yeah. Like God's not, I don't think God has a gender. Yeah. I don't think God yeah. is a man. I know the archetype of God is the father, yeah, right? Yeah, And so I, I tend to, because of my upbringing, I tend to think of God as the father. Yeah. And that's fine because if God is the father and mother is the earth and they're all the same thing in the duality, which is singular, yeah. then cool. It doesn't matter what I call them. So right. you, you could say God's the father and I'd be like, awesome. And that, you, that's how I relate to it. But I also, it's what you're saying is so spot on. We could, however we want to archetype God, it's fine. Yeah. At least we're honoring God. Y- exactly. At least we're connected exactly. to God. Because if we're connected to God. God doesn't to God, care. 
God doesn't care. <laughs> God, God's like the trees. God just stands there like a tree. And as we're all fighting each other and hurting each other, the trees just give us oxygen. Yeah. They just keep, they just keep shading us. They just keep loving us. Yeah. We cut down the trees. We burn down the forest. We putrefy the ocean. We do all these insane things. We disrespect ourselves. We disrespect each other. We disrespect the earth. And the whole time, like the tide keeps coming in and out. The trees keep giving us oxygen. God keeps loving us. Yep. We're all children. We're all children and we're doing the best that we can. And at some point in our journey, we do our work to heal the child inside. I'll never forget this, man. When I had that psychic break two years ago and I went to Paul's house for the healing, I was crying because that he said that there was more energetic cords to past family members, to past mm. lives than he had ever seen. Mm. And as he cleared them from me, I just like poured into tears, like full body convulsion, like tears yeah. pouring down my eyes. And um, I realized like, oh, I've just been so angry and so upset of how I'm going to do it all. Mm. How am I going to do it all? And Paul was like, what do you mean? How are you going to do it all? And I said, how am I going to have the business and the body and, and the wife and the child and the family? Like, how am I going to do it all? And he put his hands on me and he's like, well, who's doing it anyway? Mm. Mm. And it took me a second to get what he was saying because who's doing it all is God. God's doing it all. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you can do that and when you can understand that you're just God working through God as God's self, then you can trust. Mm -hmm. And when you can trust, you can start to really look at the child inside of you that's asking for attention. And this is the big point. He said, when you heal the child inside of you, mm -hmm. the universe will put one in your arms. That's wow. And that's like the full body chill that I just got right now. Mm. When we can heal the child inside of us to whatever degree we're meant to. Mm. I don't know if everyone's destined to heal their full child self in this lifetime. Maybe it takes multiple lifetimes. That's my path. Maybe you don't even, that doesn't even need to be a thing. Maybe that's just another goal that we think that we need to achieve to be our best self. Possibly. Maybe that's just part of what we, maybe there's a little bit of that pain that's sacred and we just take with us and it keeps us, it just kind of keeps the humanity intact. Yeah. Because without, without the pain, how would we know the peace? If I had never experienced pain, how would I know the peace? So when he said that, I already knew in that moment, I was like, well, I already know I'm going to have a child with Carrie because mm -hmm. after three months I knew it. And I, I knew what he said was true so profoundly mm that I, it's how it's, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, the resensitization and the certain messages that come through the certain things that we know were true and we don't need our intellect to explain them. Yeah. Like for example, there's no words that I need to tell you. I don't need to prove to you that what I felt was true because yeah. I felt it in a way that doesn't deserve words. <laughs> it doesn't even deserve words. I felt it so strongly. So I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's the path for me to heal the child inside of me on a continuous basis. Mm. Not that there's ever a there, there, mm. you know, cause who even knows what that is, but committing to that, riding the wave of that, going through like the challenges of that and the peace of that and the challenges of that and the peace of that. Um, it does, it does heal. Mm. It allows spaciousness for Nova to have his life without my projections. That's why his middle name is Morrow. Nova's middle name is Mauro because my grandfather on my Italian side, uh, he was the first brigadier general in the Marine Corps who was Italian. 
And so they gave him the key to Passaic, New Jersey. They had a parade for him. It was incredible. And so he did the best that he could. He accomplished so much, but yet he still had his wounding. I mean, we're talking World War II. This is not a space. That time zone was not a space yeah, where men would talk about their yeah, emotions. There's no like men's circles going on. Yes. Yeah. So what, what hit me in the chest when I got back from the vision quest was, wow, I really get to honor the pain, honor the sadness, honor my past, mm-hmm. honor my ancestors, mm-hmm. and honor the future. Because I'm right here. I'm a product of my past, and, and I'm an amalgam of potentially what is happening in reverse through the future, which is kind of an interesting concept. Like, mm-hmm. I'm honoring mm-hmm. my past. Mm-hmm. I'm also honoring the future. And there's something in me that's being directed to make decisions in this current moment yeah. that's based on possibly what the future is even calling for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I'm, I'm getting like a cool feeling I've, in my I've, body I've right now with talking that to you. For years, I've go, gone deep into that, just like the whole thing around timelines and the quantum, yeah, quantum reality of how timelines work, and like the, so this thing around like intuition or these little intuitive nudges that we get, go here, don't go there. It's like I, I, I do feel strongly that there's a, there's a, there's like the future is interacting with the present the same way as the past and we mm-hmm, can actually mm-hmm. change the past based on what we do now. Yep. It's, 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 uh, uh it, there, there are many teachers that call this recapitulation. Uh, uh-huh. So you'll go back into, and a lot of people do like, you know, past life regression therapy, yada, yada, yeah. you go back into your past and you actually reframe, reformat, mm. like re rebrand. What's it? recode. Recoded, let's just, let's just say yeah. recode. Right. So you go back into your past and you recode, what has occurred for you instead of it being a trauma that happened to you. And that's a way to really describe that without being kind of a babbling brook. (laughs) I hear a lot of people saying, oh, it happened for you, bro. It happened for you, not against you. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I can't stand that. Shut the fuck up. Like really, really what's going on is it happened for you only if you choose it to happen for you. Otherwise, there was an emotional impact in telling somebody that is very inappropriate, actually. 100%. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about is like, okay, could the future be pulling us forward? And as I recapitulate, recode the past, mm. can I actually change both of them in real time? Like yeah. super, like superposition yeah, in yeah. a quantum computer. You can have zeros. Like back and, to the future. You can have zeros and ones at the exact same time in the quantum. But in a regular computer, you can only have a zero or a one at the same time. Right. But in the quantum, in these super cooled computers, you can have superposition. So if superposition in a computer is real, who's to say that superposition in our physical being and in this 3D world isn't real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you and I are just electrical impulses inside of a meat mm-hmm. suit that's being directed by something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these are all cool things that we get to be grateful for. But what's blocking us from the gratitude or even the exploration of this is we are all kind of sucked down yeah. by the primal self, the ancient brain, the amygdala, mm-hmm. the, the default mode network. You know, when our, when our logical reasoning shuts down, when our, when our PFC is, is turned off, when our amygdala is cycled up, there's not much we can do, Ronnie. Yep. There's not much we can do in that, in that phase of, of, of life. We can only like ride the wave of the sympathetic nervous system, somehow get back down to a homeostatic middle, and then eventually have the time to, to look back and go, okay, why was I triggered? Let me figure out why I was so hard in the sympathetic. And honestly, it all comes down to, I'm going to be reductionistic, but I don't really care. I believe, and I'm curious how you feel, dude. I believe it all comes down to 
how we had things happen for us in childhood. Mm-hmm. Some, some of it connected to even past life. Mm-hmm. And what decision do I make about how that's serving me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's a no, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, but it is it's simple, simple, it's but, simple, but it ain't easy to unpack. But the yeah. simplicity of it is so pure. It's like, well, in gravity, when you drop a ball, it hits the ground. Mm-hmm. In, in the plant world, when you water and when you have sun and good soil, it grows. It's mm-hmm. Some things in life that are seemingly so complicated are actually really, really simple, yep. but they're not easy. So I, I do want to uh, back my last statement with that. I'm not saying like, oh, just you know, do your work on healing your childhood and your past life and you're perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're talking about a monstrosity of, <laughs> of nuanced layers for you to actually do that. So I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to disrespect or reductionize that. No, like I, no, I think that's actually good because it helps simplify something that can feel overwhelmingly complex, but it's not. And I think the complex, the complex, the co- the complicating of of these things, these human experiences is actually what makes it so hard. Hmm. Cause if you can simplify the process and know that, okay, like who I've been or who I'm accustomed to being is largely a byproduct of the patterns and practices and habits that I've, I've practiced over time then that means I can unlearn those things as well. And I can unlearn who I'm used to being. And then I can move forward into a different future. And then what's really cool from this quantum timeline perspective is that, and what came up for me is a situation that I've had with with a particular woman in my life. I realized, actually, in this moment, as you're talking, I got this flash. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting, right? Because like, there's this there's this future that's like this future timeline that I sense that's not it's clear enough to me, right? I get a sense of of the potentiality of it, but that wasn't there before because what my experience of the past was a particular way where it was like absolutely not. I'm not doing that again, right? But then through the healing of that and the reframing and getting a different perspective on it where it just there was a healing there for me there was no more like you know pushing I was it it actually shifted and opened something up where I was like oh oh wow I actually see there's something new opening up where before it was kind of like a closed door Mm. you see what I'm saying so so it's it's interesting to see how you know, the present moment, the future and the, the past are actually all interacting in a singularity all at the same time. But I think what happens is that we have one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and we're being split between the two in the present moment. And the past is usually like, what would it be like? Um, like the cortisol or no, it'd be, it'd be more so like, it would be more so like regret and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, or, sh- over or shame, shame, or apathy, like yeah. these super low frequency super low, emotions. Yeah. And then the future is more like anxiety, stress, worry, concern. So we're in some weird juxtaposition between the two. And then we're trying to find peace and equanimity in the present. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so we need to somehow yeah. integrate that and and again to your ultimate point mine too is that nothing's going to happen you're not going to solve a problem in the mind at the level of the mind it's an infinite ayahuasca showed me this in a very painful way that the rabbit hole never ends Ever. it's it's like and it showed me how deep it was and i was like 
Oh, God. And that actually got me out of rabbit holes on the internet. I'm glad because you went deep. I went deep. And it, it showed me it's like it's like you keep going because this it was like it was like, Ronnie, this never ends. It will never. Be. That's and why I, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. and the deeper down the rabbit hole you go, the darker it gets. Of course. Dude, uh, I had two things I want to reflect. Uh-huh. One, as I was remembering a conversation with Joe Rogan that he had with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he said that based on their research and science at the highest level, if they go down to the most measurable point in matter, and they try to see with the most powerful microscopes in the world, if they go all the way down on a cellular level and see the protons, the neutrons, the electrons, uh-huh. and they go even deeper and they, they see what's way down in there, he said basically all they can find are cells that replicate each other. So the nature of the universe is renewal. Uh-huh. It's constant uh-huh. Uh-huh. renewal. Yeah. But yet the nature of the mind is finite completion. T- totally. So we are at, we have a scientist who's telling our intellectual mind that's all about completion that there is no such thing as completion and on a cellular level at its smallest core there's no such thing as completion because everything all, the nature of of the universe just constantly replicates. So if that's true, objectively true, not subjectively true. Mm-hmm. If that's objectively true, then the insanity that we have fallen into, and I just did a podcast about this, a solo cast uh, last week, mm. we have become victims of intellectualization. Totally. We have become victims of our intellectualized mind where we think that our mind will heal and solve everything. <laughs> but yet, just like if you were in nature and you were dealing with trying to create a dam, mm-hmm. you're trying to block water, you couldn't block water unless you had the proper tools and over time, water will pour over that dam anyways. Mm. You know, energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transmuted. Mm-hmm. So eventually over time, even the dam here in Austin, any dam, if it's not fortified and constantly worked on over time, the pressure of the water will knock over the dam. Yeah. Period. Yep. So if everything's replicating and we know that in nature there's certain laws that cannot be fought then why are we trying to solve spiritual, emotional, somatic problems uh-huh. that are mirroring the laws of nature? Why are we trying to solve them with the intellectualized mind? We don't feel safe in our body. We don't feel safe in our body. We also have become uh, kind of like masters of hubris mm. and our own, we're, we're kind of drunk on our own ego in 2021. Actually, just, just in general. Because we've kicked, we've kicked God out of the conversation. The, the family is under attack. Mm-hmm. We have hardcore, flamboyant homosexuality being normalized and celebrated. And by the way, I am loving to all people, however they want to yeah. relate. The only reason I'm saying that is because we have on Time Magazine, we're, we're promoting and we're glamorizing men that are cutting off their penis to become a woman. Have we gone fucking insane? Yes. What the hell is going on? Yeah. The part of the population it, has actually it's gone actual insane. insanity. Yeah. So what we need is we need to return back to the middle. We need to return. We need to bring God back in the conversation. We need to reconnect with nature. We need to all be entrepreneurs. I believe that entrepreneurship. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, unfortunately or fortunately, however <coughs> you want to look at it, all of our customers at some point will be people that are trying to be an entrepreneur themselves, which is so, so beautiful. Mm. Or it's people that have really just relaxed back into the fact that they don't want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm not saying this from some hoity toity position like, Oh, everyone needs to be an entrepreneur because yeah. that's the only way. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. 
you can be an entrepreneur inside of a company. You, yes. can, you can be an entrepreneur wherever you are. Because really, the, the, the whole definition of being an entrepreneur is that it is one who takes on business and financial risk. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the definition of an entrepreneur. So you can be an entrepreneur of any kind inside of a company, inside of your community. I'm not saying that everyone has to, quote, have their own business. Yeah. But I do believe that everyone must feel like they're on purpose. Yes. Because, because the people that are, aren't on purpose, those are the ones that are being monetized heavily by, however you want to describe it, the cabal, the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. That's way down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole. Mm-hmm. People are easily monetized when they're living their life not in purpose. Mm-hmm. And they're easily monetized because they are becoming victims of the intellectualized mind and they're being trained by the world mm-hmm. instead of training themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really like the last layer of this conversation is like, all right, let's be honest about where we are. Yeah. Things that are dark are being called light. Mm. Things that are unhealthy and deleterious to the family are being called healthy. Yeah. It's totally fucking insane yeah. right now. Yeah, evil, so, is, evil is good, good is evil. Good is evil. We have a, a president who clearly has dementia. And I'm not saying that to make fun of him, yeah. but he, but it's very obvious yeah. that there's a clear d- dementia condition that he's experiencing. In a really... A in, a, really in a very severe way. Yeah, and not just that, by the way, but in also uh, a criminal track record that people have just Absolutely. shooed under the rug. Yes. Wow. And, and, and financial ties to China that are not about conspiracy. You can actually just go it's, and search <laughs> for them. Right. And they're there. Right. Um, so, so, and that person, that person's being glorified. Yeah. That person's being celebrated. And so we're in a crazy time. We really must come together in tribes. Mm-hmm. We really must protect what is good and what is God. Yeah. That, that's what we have to protect right now. And I'm not some hardcore, like conservative where I'm no, like, yeah, no, I don't right? identify with the conservative party. Yeah. I identify with a loving party a party of liberty. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes the most sense for me. And and so if people want to join the party, like the door is open. Yes. Well, well, epic way to conclude this conversation. And of course you opened up a whole bunch of rabbit holes that we could keep going down. Yeah. But I love, I love just rounding it out to that because I think it's just critically, I know it's critically important that each one of us gets a sobering, awareness of the fate that we're in right now like and all the different things that are going on in the world underneath it all there is an agenda to control and to to create a particular world that none of us actually want to see manifest Mm -hmm. and then there's also another agenda it's not just one there's also another agenda to heal and to actually bring forth a world in which all of us do want to live. And I and, and then that this is when it gets really prophetic and gets really like kind of biblical. And, you know, that's, you know, I defer to anyone's own, their own rabbit hole or any, any whatever's coming up for people in this time of awakening. But just know that there it's the best of times, the worst of times, all at the same time as Charles Dickens and the Tale of <laughs> Two Cities yeah. said, you know, almost 100 years ago. Yes. We're living in that time. So it's important that we get sober and very realistically actually get sober and get off all the drugs and the medications or whatever our addictions are. Because to your point, we're being desensitized and we need to become sensitive so we can feel and so we can make sensible decisions 
about what we're going to do with our life and how we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I know that God is running the ship. Like I do, I feel it. I feel it deep inside of me, like especially when it gets bleak or I'm going deep down into a particular train of thought that's, that's, it's darker. It's like, it's very adversarial. And I, I've, I've had to confront those energies. I've felt them many times. And it was like, I could feel behind it all. The God holding, just, just pulsating this wave of love and knowing that what we're going through is, is, uh, it's destined and it is serving a powerful purpose for us all, but, but we have to choose it. And I think that's the kind of how the underpinning of this conversation is that we have to make, we have to choose. And how do we choose? Well, first we have to be able to breathe. <laughs> and if we can breathe through it, yeah. whatever it is, then it, from there we can at least make a choice. Yeah. <sighs> so wherever you are, just take three deep breaths. Breath isn't about spirituality. Breath isn't about woo-woo. <laughs> Breath is about centering yourself so you can right. make adult decisions while still being connected to your child. Yeah. It, That's really what the breath it's does. A, it's a physiological process. Bro, I've super enjoyed this conversation. And um, yeah, I got lots of love and respect for you. I've seen your trajectory grow. You've seen mine. And I just want to invite people, like, if you hear about all these tools and you hear about all these things that you can be doing to resensitize yourself. Um, from 400 of these conversations, mm, I built a mm. guide. It's called the M21 guide. It's uh, at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And it's six practices that I believe breath is one of them. Mm -hmm. Six practices that will start to re allow you to recapitulate your past and, and to resensitize mm -hmm. yourself to this world. Mm -hmm. So go there, get that for free. It's my gift to your audience, oh, wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And just everyone start there. You know, it's it took us a long time to build that. It was from, like I said, 400 plus of these conversations. So it's a beautiful start because we covered yeah. a lot of ground, yeah. dude. We covered a lot of ground yeah, today. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast for the second or third time, mm -hmm. or if you just heard it for the first time and you're like, okay, well, what do I do with that? Yeah. You know, then go to, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love you so much, brother. It's love been such an incredible journey and yeah, just, uh, it feels like it's just getting started. It is. Which is a good sign. Who said that? Sick. Didn't Freud say life starts at 40 or somebody I, said yeah, that? Yeah. Somebody said it. Some, somebody some, said it. Some man said it and I just yeah. was like, okay, that, I'm starting <laughs> to get, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to feel that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks well, so thank much, you. brother. Love thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Love you too. Mm-hmm.